Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! My title for today's sermon is called Seeds of Generosity. Um, so no subtle bits there. I'm obviously going to be talking a bit about generosity. Uh, and maybe we can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. Uh, and even as you're turning there, thank you, XTV. Thanks, Gabby, uh, for serving today as well. Um, yeah, even as you're turning there, if you're, if you're Bibles as well, uh, let me just give you a bit of context on 2 Corinthians. Um, Paul writes uh, across two chapters, chapters 8 and 9, uh, about generosity. It's a whole two chapters dedicated to generosity. Uh, and for a bit of context, Paul is basically trying to raise money amongst the different churches uh, for the people of Jerusalem. Uh, the Jewish Christians there are going through a famine at the moment, so they're in a bit of a poverty, poverty situation. Uh, so Paul is writing and uh, urging different churches, uh, primarily filled with non-Jewish Christians, uh, to give, uh, to just give and just sow into the churches in Jerusalem. Um, and many of them do give, uh, many of them do uh, give. I think Paul does mention the Macedonians uh, as well and just mentions them. Uh, but one group of the individuals that do not give are the Corinthians. They haven't set aside any money uh, to give. But for Paul, this is more than just the idea of just raising money. Uh, because for Paul, uh, this is the whole idea that he doesn't feel that the Corinthians have been transformed or um, even encouraged to give uh, despite how Jesus died on the cross, and that in itself is all about generosity as well. I think in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, Paul writes, For you know the grace of your, our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, for your sakes, he became poor, and that through his poverty he might become, oh, and, through, and that you through his poverty might become rich. So it's really important to remember really important to remember the whole act of generosity that God, uh, Jesus did. Jesus came and put down his honor, put down his wealth to come and die like a slave and to really just through his grace and mercy that we can be made wealthy with, through his riches and grace. Amen? So really important to remember that. Uh, and I guess there's a lot to unpack in regards to generosity across both chapters 8 and 9, uh, but we want to just focus on Chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. So, let me read. Um, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful forgiver. Uh, verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly. Uh, do highlight that because we're going to come back to that later. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Amen. 
Um, I think most of us do know already, uh, generosity is a good thing. Uh, I hope most of us know that. Um, I think, um, but generosity, I think, can sometimes be very challenging. It can be also very tiring, because it does take a lot of sacrifice sometimes. Uh, and also, people can be very difficult, I understand that. Um, but more than that, um, I think we should also remember generosity isn't just an act. It's not just an action, right? Uh, if we think of it like that, sometimes we pat ourselves on the back, become a bit self-righteous in the idea that I gave. I am very generous. Um, but actually, right here, actually, generosity is a response of gratitude to God, who was generous with us first. Amen? So really important to remember that. And I think I wanted to encourage us today uh, not to just live generously because it's a good thing from a morality standpoint, um, because it's what the, like, it just looks good kind of thing. Um, but I think in a world where, I, I think generosity is what you could say is a smart way of living. Um, and what do I mean by that? I think right now we kind of live in a world where um, growing your portfolio is very important. Uh, whether it be your money, where you put it, what you invest in, uh, the, Apple, the latest Apple stocks or Bitcoin or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think even how to grow your finances, that's, that's one aspect. Very, very, a lot of wisdom in that supposedly. I think even time, uh, sometimes we might feel that we are short on time. We don't have the luxury of time. There's not enough time to do things. Uh, so in a way, we sometimes cut corners even. Uh, we even just find ways to give ourselves that extra time. Uh, maybe just stay at home and then not do anything to give ourselves that time to do something else. I think time is very important for some of us. Um, planning is very good, though. Uh, I know a lot of us are very good planners. They know how to exactly spend one hour on something. I'm, I'm really bad at that. I procrastinate and get distracted a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't want to take that away from people because I think there is a lot of wisdom in being able to manage finances. There's a lot of wisdom in also planning. Uh, but I want to speak kind of beyond that. I want to encourage us, just like how Paul encouraged the Corinthians in Scripture, I just want to encourage us this morning that why and how generosity is a smart way of living. Um, generosity is a smart way of living because for me, and I'll teach us this as well, it's a life-changing way to live. I think we talk about a life-changing amount of money, uh, the luxury of time, uh, but generosity is a life-changing way to live. And I think for most of us as well, we know that God has so many ingenious ways of morphing us or molding us or transforming us, uh, whether it just be through a testimony, whether it be through a word, a scripture. Uh, there are different ways that God really molds us and transforms and changes and changes the way we think, the way we behave. Uh, but I think generosity is a big part of that as well. Uh, which brings me to my first point on why generosity is so life-changing. Um, first point is generosity is so life-changing because it connects us with others. Um, I think physically it's quite obvious when you see so many people who are generous around you. Uh, there's a lot of warmth, there's a lot of joy, there's a lot of positivity. Um, there's a lot of kindness. There's something very attractive about someone who's very kind to those around them, right? You don't want someone to just hold back and sit on a chair and just be like scowling at everyone. Like, mm -hmm. There's a lot of generosity and a lot of love in how people are generous. Amen? I think 
Generosity guarantees connection. Amen. Um, little social experiment. Uh, I want everyone to make a fist, just a clencher fist like that. And with the person, so imagine this is a very selfish person. I want you to just try and high five the person next to you with a fist. Not respect, just literally a high, try and high five that person. It's not a nice feeling. I can hear some people's knuckles just being a bit sore right now. I can hear some oohs and ahs, a bit painful. Now I want you to try again, same hand, but just open it. And just try and high five the person next to you. Some very sloppy high fives going around. But you get the gist. Hopefully you get the gist. It sounds a lot nicer, right? It's a bit more satisfying. A few of you are giggling as well, so it's a lot more positive, right? Um, I hope you get the idea that generosity is like a person with their hand open, right? A person who's ready to give, uh, ready to even receive, even to listen. Uh, that generosity of time as well. Um, I think generosity symbolizes someone whose hand is open. Hopefully you can all understand that. Um, I think when you think of someone who is generous with their time, with their money, with all that they have, um, hopefully when you think of that someone, it's someone who's very positive, someone who's very approachable, um, someone who's, for me personally, I find it much more easier to open up to someone who is generous with the people around them. Um, their relationships with other people are very warm, very positive. It just feels like it's a bit of a happier mood. It just feels easier for me to open up with someone who is more generous. I don't know if other people also feel the same. Um, but what am I trying to say? I think in a world as well where there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of loneliness, uh, we talk about poverty. Poverty isn't just about your living conditions, but also your heart as well. Uh, how you are emotionally. Some people are going through really dark times as well, behind the scenes without any of us even knowing. Um, but God calls us to make, be the difference. Amen? Uh, God calls us to be a difference, to be um, generous with our time, our words. You never know how much a good word just really encourages someone. Uh, with your finances as well, you never know just, even if the service is really bad, how good a tip would feel for someone who might be doing really badly, uh, working where they work. But yeah, just to really make someone's day. I think God is really calling us to be that difference maker, uh, in people's lives to really just make someone's day. Amen? So what is Paul trying to say in this scripture? So maybe we can just focus on verse 10. Uh, I think actually has it uh, there. So verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Uh, so who is he? Well, Paul recognizes that God is the great supplier. Amen? So God who supplies Seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So remember, well, let's just gonna stop there. Um, so remember, Paul recognizes God as the great supplier. So really important, first and foremost, God is our great supplier. Say to your neighbor, God supplies. Cool. So really important to remember that. Um, see, whatever we have to give was first given to us by God. Amen. So this is also really important to acknowledge. Remember the theme around heaven rules. I think God has rule and reign over everything that we own, but all the rule over the world as well. So just really important to remember that God is, is just acknowledge that God rules and reigns, that everything that we have comes from him. I wrote here, true generosity flows of an, out of an understanding that God owns everything. 
Amen? Um, so verse 10 again says, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. What does that, uh, what does that mean? I think some translations, if you've got maybe the NKG ver- NKJV version, um, says the seed that you have sown. Uh, so what is that? Uh, what is the store of seed? Um, well, if we go back to this analogy with farmers, um, and you think of their resource, so God supplies seed to the sower. So that's the seeds that they can plant to grow crops, right? So that's the farmer's resource, right? So what does that mean for us? We are the farmers, by the way, so in case you didn't miss that. We are the farmers. So what God supplies us with the seed. So that could be what? Your money, your time, uh, your words, also very important. See, like seed is not just the things that we have in our pocket. Uh, it's not just a stopwatch or anything, but it's also our words as well. So really important to remember that. Um, so what am I trying to say? So what does the farmer have to do with his seed? Well, first he has to feed his family. So says they're bread for food. Um, so he needs to feed his family. Uh, he needs to feed himself, very important. Uh, but what does he do with the remaining amount? I mean, if you think of all the farmers who have a lot of cattle, they're not going to just slay all their sheep for their own consumption, are they? They need to make a living. They need to feed what is hopefully the rest of us uh, as well. I like steak. I hope a lot of you like steak as well. Uh, but very important, okay? So the farmer has to decide what he has to do with his seed. Amen? And we have to do that as well. What do we do with the seed that God has given us, that God has gifted us with as well? Do we reinvest it? in the ground so that it can grow and hopefully multiply. A lot of us do that with money, with time as well. I think it's very important, and there is wisdom there, like I said. Um, or does he become a little bit greedy and decide to just grow or feed himself bread, only feed himself and his family, a bit of a luxury life, uh, maybe even just sell it all to have a bigger house? Um, because I think sometimes it's very relatable to other farmers and things like that, deciding what to do with your seed. Because there is a real worry, actually, um, with, with many of us that we don't have enough. Um, that, that is a real worry. Uh, we don't have enough uh, money. We don't have enough time. Um, some of us are very strapped for um, the resource, essentially. Uh, and especially maybe if you're working as well, if, if your family is overseas, you're worrying how... How, how do I have enough to, to keep myself um, going uh, in this world? Rent is high. Rent is growing. London is not a cheap place to live. Uh, food is getting more expensive. Uh, if I want to send money home to care for my parents, they might not be doing so well. Do I have enough to send money home as well? These are all real worries. These are all very real worries. Um, but what does it say in verse 11? Verse 11 says, You'll be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So remember, you'll be enriched in every way. Verse 11 not only reassures us that God will provide, but he will also provide and has that direction to say that, what do we do with the rest of it but be generous? That is what verse 11 is telling us. God will provide and provide enough that we can also be generous. Amen? It says God wants to enrich our lives spiritually, relationally and materially in every way, remember? Not just, not, just, not just materially, but spiritually as well. Sometimes we need that recharge as well. Why? So we can be generous on every occasion. 
every occasion. So that's really powerful. Amen? Why? Because God's agenda is to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen? God wants to see um, wants to see us blessed, but also wants us to outpour to people around us as well. Like the, far, like the farmer, being able to feed himself and his family, God ensures that he has enough so that he can sow into others as well, remember? Sowing the seed. Coming back to the, kind of the main point um, of, of generosity connecting us with others. So we know that God is is giving us and entrusting us um, with what he's given us. He's gifting it, gifting it to us. Um, but generosity is actually kind of a symbolism of trust. Amen? Why is that? Because we're acknowledging, as I said before, we're acknowledging that God is our provider. We are secure in that. We're acknowledging that. We know that God is our provider. We, we can trust him to provide for us. Amen? And we can be secure in him. In turn, as God trusts us with what he's given us, all the different gifts, all the different seeds, um, he's trusting us to, to use that responsibly. Uh, he's trusting, at, uh, trusting us to bless others with that. Remember, blessed to be a blessing. Amen? So it's a relational bond. And if you don't remember, if you don't know, God is all about relationships. Amen? Amen. Alright, here, when we are truly generous, there is evidence of a good trusting relationship. So just imagine, like, meeting someone who's very generous with what they have. That in itself is already someone that you can trust because they are already showing that they're trusting God. True generosity is being able to trust God to provide. Amen? And that's why it's so attractive. You realize that when you see someone who's generous with their time, generous with what they have, suddenly they just become a bit more attractive in the sense that you can approach them you can rely on them. You can trust them, though. Amen? Generosity draws people closer. Um, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24-25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but, becomes, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. See, God wants us to prosper. It says there, a generous person will prosper. So God wants to see us prosper. He doesn't want to see us throw seed away unnecessarily. He doesn't want to see us waste away the gifts and the talents that he's provided for us. See, God wants to be able to see us use what we have to really glorify him. Because if you think about it, everything that you do is sort of an investment. The time that you spend, um, the money that you spend as well, it's all sort of an investment, and I think what we pour our, our investments and our seed into, that is where our heart is, amen? Which brings me to my second point. See, generosity is so life-changing because it guards our hearts. You see, I think God does not want us to make short-sighted choices, um, he doesn't want us to make bad investments uh, with our time, with our talent, uh, but I think especially our money as well. Um, but I think this does speak beyond the realm of just being able to manage finances in a certain way, because I think it is really a heart issue as well. Um, so if you can just turn to First Timothy chapter 6, um, and this is 
Paul teaching Timothy um, this as well. It says in verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And food, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. So again, we realize, we know that we are blessed by God. Amen? God is our provider. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through many sorrows. See, Paul is teaching Timothy about greed. Uh, greed has tempted a lot of people to twist the things of God. I think in verse 5, and we didn't read it, and I don't think STV has it, but in verse 5 it actually says, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. So what does Paul say in verse 9? What does Paul conclude for those who want to get rich? He says, they fall into temptation and it ends up in destruction. So really telling. Um, I think when I was preparing for this sermon, uh, I think leading up to the beginning of this week, I was kind of reading a plan on generosity as well, um, just to gather my thoughts as well. But there was one, of the, one of the plans wrote, wrote this, and I thought this was really like, almost a cold heart truth as well. It says, money can easily be seen as the mirror of our heart before God. If you want an accurate measure of your relationship with God, take a look at your checkbook and your credit card statements. Notice where your money is going. That will tell you what you're devoted to. I thought that was really almost cold, but almost very, very true as well. Um, but I want to go back to the analogy about farming. Uh, and I think it's really elegantly put and really, really clever as well, what generosity does. Um, so maybe if we just turn to Leviticus, chapter 19. I think actually has that. Um, verse 9 to 10 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Wow. Do not reap the very edges of your field. Um, I'm a little bit OCD in the sense that I like things very tidy. I think when I do things like spreadsheets and stuff, I like go right to like the edge. So this kind of like really like irked me a little bit, but I, I get I get what God is saying. Um, I found it really relevant because I think sometimes with what God has given us, we can be very meticulous in how we use it. Where is it going? Um, I think we can very much almost start counting the coins very, very well. Uh, I think when we think of like our finances, for example, um, we think of it, where is it being stored? Uh, where's the highest interest rate? Uh, what's the best stock market? Uh, what's the best uh, way to even cut corners, to not cut corners, to save money? Uh, where can I get the next best deal? Um, but, and we can start examining like every paycheck to make sure we got paid the to the penny, how much we got paid properly. We, see, we get really sad when we see all the tax gets deducted or the NHS deduction as well. Get really sad about that. Um, we can start chasing every single payment that's owed to us. Imagine you pay for a meal and start straight away, like, you better pay me back. 
I think what God is trying to say is just not to encourage that behavior, not to start counting your coins so meticulously, right? Because I think, I think sometimes, not just with money as well, but also with time as well, we can start counting how many minutes a person is late. Uh, we can start, and then we can start getting put off by the act of generosity and the idea of generosity, all because of people start don't pay us back, people start becoming late as well. All, this, all these little things are deterring us away from generosity, right? Um, going back to kind of like finances, um, I think spreadsheets, I, I'm, pr I'm pretty good at spreadsheets, I wouldn't lie. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of us are very good at spreadsheets. Um, I think a lot of us know how to budget, we know how to manage our finances very well. And again, I think that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing, I think. I don't want to take that away from anyone. Um, but I don't want the focus to become managing your finances and that be the glorifying thing. Um, I, I think it's, if, if that becomes the focus, if that becomes the focus of our lives, then we start to fuel an unnecessary worry. Amen? When we start to look at the numbers and think, Oh, it's not doing so well. Um, it's it's, it's it, it, like my finances aren't growing. I start getting worried. It kind of fuels a, a worry which God never intended for us in the first place. Amen. So what is God saying? God is saying, don't be meticulous in how your seeds are being sown, to the point where you leave nothing else for anyone to benefit from it. So remember, it says, leave them for the poor and the foreigner. See Leviticus 19. And Moses is writing this saying, and it's really encouraging us as the farmers not to be too greedy, too profit-driven, too calculative, um, to the point where we just neglect the poor or even just forget about them. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? So what is that in like a modern-day context? Um, it could be something as even just sparing change for the poor. Uh, and I'm sure if you walk around London, you've seen so many people, people living on the streets, really in need. Um, and I, I confess, I don't usually carry cash around. I usually just pay contactless. Um, but even this is a challenge for me to put cash in my wallet, not for the benefit of paying a taxi man who might only take cash, but really to challenge me to say, hey, if there is opportunity to give, you have the resource to give. Amen. So maybe that's also what we should do. I think also, even just leaving a tip as well. Uh, I know, obviously, the bill mostly includes service charge. Um, and again, not many of us carry cash around. But I think it's really that opportunity to really just bless someone, really just bless the person working at the restaurant. Even if the service wasn't great, it's still a good opportunity to bless someone and to really just sow the seed of, op of generosity into their lives. Amen? Um, in fact, actually... I know we spoke about it in chapter 19, but I think in Leviticus 23, I think he also, I, I didn't give this to Acts TV, uh, but I think Moses was also told by God to tell the farmers that the farmers in the promised land um, leave some crops in the field for the poor um, so that they can enjoy what remains, essentially. So not only does this represent love, um, it doesn't represent. It also represents that idea of hospitality as well. So remember, we as Christians want to be difference makers, uh, to have our doors open for people to come into our lives as well. Amen. So I think that's what God is really trying to say: to leave that door of opportunity open for other people as well, to see that open house, to see that um, 
we can really be welcoming into God's house. Amen. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6 as well. I think further down, it says in verse 17. Sorry, Gabby, I didn't give this to you. Don't worry. Um, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who is richly, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Wow, willing to share. In, those, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that it may take hold of the life that is truly life. So I think God's, remember, God created generosity. Um, God's design of generosity is really clever um, because, remember, we understand that we are blessed to be a blessing, right? So, but I think what, what that's reading, I think, for me is that generosity isn't just a forward-thinking, outreaching way um, or, or behavior or life attitude, but it's also a way for us to kind of starve off the idea of greed. Amen? I think God is also trying to not only tell us, instruct us how to give forward, but he's also instructing us so he can also watch our back to protect us as well, to really just correct our stance as well that we don't fall into temptation and greed as well. Amen? Because sometimes I'm reminded that God's instruction as well is not just forward-facing, as I said. Um, but God is our provider and protector, amen? And as I said before, I think God really uses such intricate ways to defend us as well. We just watch our back as well, amen? Um, my third point and last point um, is that generosity is life-changing because it actually changes the way we love changes how we love. Um, and I wrote a little bit underneath for like a subtitle saying Christ-like standards of love. Um, see, generosity is an expression of the love of God and through our generosity, we are able to reflect God's love. Amen? Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are there to reflect God's love. That's really important. Um, but being generous is, as, as I said, sometimes it's easy. Uh, it's sometimes very easy to be generous with your husband or wife. It's very easy to be generous with your boyfriend or girlfriend, your best friend. People think the same way as you. It's very easy to be generous with these kind of people. Um, but on the flip side, it can be very hard to be generous. Amen? Um, I, I, I'm trying not to get too excited. but. <laughs> um, it can be very hard to be generous. I mean, just thinking of a really evil boss at work. It's so hard to do something for a boss who never even looks at you or just raises a smile at you. It's very hard. Uh, it's very hard to be generous to someone who is extremely ungrateful, uh, extremely rude. Uh, and there are a lot of rude people in the world, but God is still encouraging us to... Um, even if they forget, God is still encouraging us to be generous. Amen. Um, I had to... Uh, this person is long gone, so don't look around at anyone. Um, I, I took someone out for their birthday once, 
and I think they came an hour late. Um, I think at quarter, I, at, after like 10, 15 minutes, they said, uh, nearly there. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, anyway, another extra 45 minutes later, and I wasn't smiling, put it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes giving and generosity is not just going one step. Sometimes God, is good. Sometimes God is encouraging us to go further. Like I say, raising the standards of our own love as well. Amen? Because I wrote here, generosity isn't just about being, like, it's not just about giving. It's about being ready to give more of something than is strictly necessary or even expected. So what's another way of saying that? I think another way of saying it is going the extra mile. Amen? Um. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41 to 42, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, if you think about it in biblical times, going the extra mile is a lot more than just a metaphor. Uh, if you think about all the different trade routes between all the different villages, Think of all the farmers as well, how much acres of land they have to really just look after. Uh, think of even the carpenters as well, like how far they have to walk to get their goods and resources, how far they have to go to deliver them as well. It's not easy. Uh, coming back to modern civilization, uh, we have public transport, Uber, e-scooters, planes and everything that you want to, all the, all the great valuable resources to help us get from A to B. Um, but even then, it's not easy. Um, I know for a lot of us, we have to travel very far just to come to church. Um, London is not a small place. It's almost like its own country in itself. Um, I mean, I think some people have come from Bristol and think, oh, yeah, London is just another city, right? And it's like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, London is not a small place, and it is sometimes very hard to go quite literally the extra mile uh, because it can take an hour to just go from one person's house to another person's house, right? It's not easy. Um, but again, God wants to change the way we love. God wants to raise our game, amen? Um, let's come back to how God gives. Second Corinthians chapter 9 again, uh, and I think... Verse 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So remember, we are blessed to be a blessing, but God's standards are always about more. Yeah. They're not about the minimum. They're not, they're not about just feeding you and only you, yeah. but it's feeding you and then some more. Amen? He's all about being to, he all, he's all about wanting to be a blessing to the abundance, yeah. to do more, to give more than was expected. Amen? Amen. Um, it's almost as if the first mile is the standard. As, as, that's the expected. That's the rule. That's the custom. Um, and then to go two miles, that's what generosity is. Amen? Because sometimes, and I'm just thinking of pastors as well, going all the way to Edinburgh, but sometimes going the first mile is already hard enough. Uh, I mean, it's, today's a little bit warmer, but the past week has been very cold. Um, I think even snowed the other week as well. Now, if you just imagine 7 p.m. on a Thursday night, the last thing you want to do is go out of your room, let alone your house. 
You just want to be wrapped up warm in a blanket, just ready to embrace the night's sleep. Um, but sometimes that is only the first mile, to go out and go see someone, to go catch up with someone. Maybe for some of us, the second mile is actually to pay for that person. Uh, the second mile might even be to wait a little bit longer for that person to arrive. The second mile might even be to go even out of London to see that person. And even just seeing, imagine and think of pastors that they go all the way to Edinburgh to just connect to different ones there as a real sign of generosity. Um, maybe God is urging us to stay out a lot longer than we wanted. Sometimes maybe we want to go home for 10 o'clock, for, for 11 o'clock, and we kind of, kind of constantly check the time, when are we going to leave? But maybe God is challenging us to stay, not just have a good time, but because he's asking us to, there's an opportunity here for you to minister. There's an opportunity for you to bless, that be that generous friend, whether it be through your words or time. I think God really wants to raise our standards to take us further than just by our own means. Um, rather than going the minimum, living a generous life as a response to God who was generous with us first. I think that's so important. I think if we are ever really struggling to remember why we're doing all this in the first place, I think always remember that we are generous because God was generous with us first. Amen. God poured out his love for us and it should compel us to raise our standards. Amen. Uh, maybe just one last scripture uh, before I close. In Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 27 to 36, it says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Wow. Um, sometimes it's we. Sometimes we think it's already enough that when someone talks behind our back or says something bad about us, it's already enough to just not say anything back. Um, but God is asking us to bless those who curse you. Um, and even in verse twenty-eight as well, it says, "Pray for those who mistreat you." If you ever feel like you are in a bad place because of what someone said, uh, or you just feel unjustly treated, I think. Sometimes, I mean, for me as well, it's very easy to just ignore them. It's very easy to just blank them, pretend that they exist kind of thing. But God is really challenging us to be generous and really wants us to even pray for that person. Uh, I mean, sometimes we turn to each other and just really just pray for each other during service. God maybe is challenging you to literally walk over across the room to pray for that same person who might have said something bad about you behind your back. Amen? He says... Love your enemy. That's in verse 27. If you keep reading, verse 29 says, If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Well, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, turn to them, the other cheek as well. Wow. Um, I mean, the first slap already hurt enough. Like, imagine having to, like, do it again. Um, it's not nice, but maybe in a more relatable fashion, um, what, what does that mean for us? I think God is challenging us to, if again, if someone abuses you, says something bad about you, 
um, condescends you, um, even just says something in a way just because you follow Christ, God is challenging us to not retaliate. Um, don't slap back, don't fight back, um, but just even just accept even more persecution if that means that you're representing God. Amen. God is truly trying to raise our standards. Um, verse 30 says, Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemy, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. That's really hard. Um, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Amen. Um, and I'm about to close, but I think I feel we just led that. I think that last bit about he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I think generosity is all well and good and very positive, but in the reality of it as well, sometimes we find ourselves in very ungrateful situations. Um, people do take liberties, um, whether it be not being able to pay you back, whether it be turning up really late, whether they mean it or not, that doesn't matter, but there are times that we feel like we are being ungratefully used. Um, and it's not nice, and it is really rude, but I think, first of all, how someone makes you feel is not who you truly are. Uh, I think that's one thing. But I think another way of looking at it is and I really hope this does grant an extra bit of perspective on a situation. But another way of looking at it is actually being taken for granted in a strange way is actually a compliment because it's almost a good thing because your standards are so high. Um, your standards are being raised. It is evidence of your standards being raised. Um, what you're providing has become your normal level because you're elevating yourself to that Christ-like standard. And it is hard, um, but it is a sign that God is using your life and raising your standards because you are dependable, you are trustworthy, you are faithful. Um, your decision-making in being generous with your time even if people are late, um, how you are generous with your money, even if people don't pay you back, um, generous with your talents, even if people don't say thank you, generous with your words, even if people don't take what you said or take the advice that you said, I think it is still all, at the end of the day, a reflection of God's generosity towards us. I think by deciding to be generous with what you have, you're not glorifying yourself. And I think that's very important, really important, that generosity is not about how we feel, but at the end of the day, it is really a reflection of 
how God is showing his love into your life or our lives and how he has been generous with us first. Amen. Um, and maybe even as the worship team comes up, um, I'm going to pray in a bit. But I think, again, it's really important that God's generosity flows out of his love. Amen. And he has equipped us to enjoy all that generosity, all the goodness of his gifts, all the riches of his, of his gifts. And as God is providing, as God is sustaining us, um, as God is pouring into our lives as well, I think it is also good to remember that we love others because God loved us first. Amen. I think that's a really important takeaway from today. We are able to bless others because we are blessed. We are able to love others because God loved us first. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.